0: Before we start, in this episode we talk about suicide, so if this raises anything for you, you can always call Lifeline on 13 11 14. In 2016, a game took Russia by storm. The Blue Whale Challenge was an online game that set you 50 different challenges over 50 days. A few challenges were relatively harmless. One was to just draw a blue whale. Another was to not speak for a whole day. But many others were incredibly sinister. Some encouraged young players to climb to certain heights and sit over the edge. Others made you self-harm. All of these led up to the final challenge, which was to take your own life. When the challenge first hit the internet, it kind of flew under the radar until May 2016, when a story was published by a Russian journalist that linked the Blue Whale Challenge to a string of recent youth suicides. This sent Russia into a panic. Soon enough, stories about the Blue Whale Challenge were coming out all around the world. Brazil, China, India, and Italy were but a few countries also reporting on the challenge.
1: There was a big, big, big discussion in, uh, in Italy about this.
0: This is Marcella. Marcella remembers when stories about the challenge first came out in Italy.
1: TV program shared the news and they actually broadcasted the story So there was this very scary story about the increasing number of young people that was following this
0: game. In Russia, it was reported that more than 130 children had committed suicide because of the blue whale challenge. This was an incredibly alarming number. But as more and more people started looking into it, things weren't adding up.
1: But then actually it appeared to be Um, a hoax
0: While the Blue Whale Challenge did actually exist online there's no evidence to suggest that it was responsible for the death of 130 teenagers reporting of the challenge had blown the situation out of proportion and because of that many started calling it a hoax that went viral Today on the show, we're looking at viral scares in the digital age. What makes them so believable? And how we're struggling to stop them from spreading. This is Think Digital Futures. I'm Jake Morecambe. While the hype around the blue whale challenge has died down... This hasn't signaled the end of viral scares. If anything, it's just beginning.
2: Parents are warning about the latest trend on social media. It's a dangerous and viral game that could have kids harming themselves. It's called the Momo Challenge, in News Channel 5's Andrew Laughlin... Lofl-
0: the Momo Challenge is eerily similar to Blue Whale in that it encourages players to self-harm. This time, however, Momo is actually a person, or rather, A freakish bird-human hybrid. This is Momo with bulging eyes, a chilling smile, and jet black hair on a bird's body. Momo blew up online and made headlines all around the world. But unlike Blue Whale, this time there was actually no challenge at all. Just a scary image that turned into an internet urban legend. The Momo challenge was eventually debunked with the artist who designed the character, Keisuke Aiso, even speaking out and hailing the death of Momo. But by this point, two very triggering hoaxes had just gone global, one practically straight after the other. Giovanni Champaglia from the University of South Florida says he wasn't surprised, as he believes the internet is a cesspool for these types of scares.
3: Classic one usually is uh, celebrity deaths there are a few actors who are well known for being in the news because they they die every week
0: to hoaxes based off movie plot lines
3: one was a prank called the purge it was based on a movie a horror movie called the purge uh, the basic idea is that in a certain place, at a certain time, uh, people will convene and start wrecking havoc and anarchy would ensue. And so essentially a teenager posted, I think on Reddit, a Photoshop picture of flyers in Louisville, Kentucky, saying, oh, The Purge, next weekend at 3pm.
0: Giovanni believes there's a reason why these stories get reported on and in turn go viral.
3: For many scare hoaxes, uh, there is definitely a, a fear component, uh, and uh, that can be also traced back to all the panic cases and mass hysteria. This is to say that uh, often many of these hoxes that spread far and wide, they're also associated to a strong emotional balance. And so this would suggest that there is definitely a role of fear and other emotional responses in the spread of Uh, both misinformation, but, of course, any type of information.
0: Because scary stories can invoke fear and a fight-or-flight response, Marcella says is what makes them so believable.
1: These stories become uh, uh, viral because they meet some existing belief of people.
0: Marcella argues this was the case with the Blue Whale Challenge. Parents, already worried about their children using the internet, had their concerns validated when these stories were published. Marcela calls this confirmation bias.
1: In this case, I think it is a social fear of uh, a generation that is worried uh, about the dangers of the internet. If they find news like the Blue Challenge or Momo, they can find an evidence of what they were thinking. This is the fuel of the virality.
0: If people sharing articles, videos, and hashtags are the fuel, the journalists writing the stories and reading the bulletins are the car, steering people to the information. But what happened with much of the initial coverage of the Blue Whale Challenge and MOMO is that the information was either misguided or wrong. News organisations were linking recent youth suicides to these challenges, when there was no evidence to back this up. Some of these stories have been picked up on by huge media organisations. How can it get to that extreme?
1: Yes, of course, because it happened a lot of time that journalists uh, use this as a source. And so maybe this Fake news can be reported uh, by a newspaper, an important newspaper. And of course, this is a really big problem because after this, the stories can be spread faster. This is a danger, but it can happen.
0: When stories hit the newsroom, hard and fast, Anne Kruger, journalist and bureau editor at First Draft Australia, says it can be tough to separate fact from fiction.
2: I think the pressures on journalists make this really tough. So there's pressures on journalists to meet their deadlines and it's, it's hard. Like journalism is hard to find out, you know, what information that people need to know about, what's information that resonates with them, that finds a need in their community that they can help with. I think those pressures make it really difficult for journalists to do their day-to-day work.
0: Anne points out while journalists have a responsibility to report the facts, they should also do so in a way that doesn't sensationalise and add fuel to the fire.
2: The media doesn't realise but they become weaponised and, and they become used in the message. So what happened with the Momo challenge was the media thought it was an issue and we've got to tell everyone about it because, you know, it's leading to kids not only being scared, but encouraging them to participate in self-harm. And actually, the process of them reporting on it amplified something that then became a whole lot bigger than what it actually even was in the first place.
0: Do you think the structures of traditional newsrooms are ill-equipped to deal with online hoaxes and misinformation? This is producer Viktor Petrovich talking to Anne.
2: When it comes to misinformation and disinformation, I think we still have a lot of work to do with the reporters that we're training. And if I'm saying that, with the reporters that are currently in the field, there's a real thirst for reporters now to actually have these tools. But I think what journalists need is more support for this as an ongoing part of their procedures and their day-to-day routines
0: before we can develop better tools for journalists, we still have a lot of questions to answer. The main one being, how do we find the original source? And can we trust that source? In the digital age, Marcella says this is harder than ever before.
1: To detect the viral hoax, sometimes it's already too late. And maybe the original post was already removed.
0: But there's another challenge we weren't ready for.
1: Sometimes they are created artificially by bots.
0: Bots, or internet robots, expert Giovanni Champalier says, play a huge role in the spread of online misinformation.
3: The social bot is an automated account that often tries to disguise itself as human. If you go on Twitter... Social bots will tend to tweet much, much more often than uh, normal users, but they will also try to tweet and connect and mention celebrities, people that have a lot of followers. And if you think about it, this makes sense. If a celebrity, somebody with many followers retweets me, then I get a boost and that helps spreading my tweet even further.
0: Do you have an example of a specific case where that's happened?
3: Yes. So uh, a good example that caught our attention was uh, related to the 2016 uh, US presidential election. It was about a crazy claim made by Alex Jones, a radio host, famous for his conspiratorial shows and so on. He was claiming that Hillary Clinton's campaign manager was dabbling with the occult and performing satanic rituals and so on. So it turned out that Alex Jones was quoting out of context one of the emails from the WikiLeaks emails of Hillary Clinton. But when we look at the spread of the headline by InfoWars, we started seeing that a lot of those accounts were showing clear signs of automation. So this tells us that in that particular case, social bots were really working tirelessly (laughs) to amplify that particular claim made by Alex Jones.
0: While bots can spread misinformation, Giovanni points out they're not autonomous. They're still programmed by humans. In terms of online hoaxes, why would a social bot promote this kind of content?
3: Well, the social bot itself doesn't really have any idea, but the, the people who operate it uh, probably have an agenda. Of course, there are political motivations if I operate a network of bots that will tweet for the candidate that I support, that maybe would be helpful for the candidate. But there could be also financial motivations.
1: In the internet, you can gain <laughs> money. So,
0: Marcella again.
1: It can be used as a trap for uh, users that go visiting this webpage, and then the owner of the webpage gain money.
0: Not only can social bots lure you to inaccurate information, but they're also being used to purposefully spread fake news.
3: There must be really good programmers out there that think a lot about how to make social bots uh, more believable, but also uh, better at camouflaging within human crowds.
0: While it can be difficult to separate fact from fiction, Giovanni says it's not impossible. He and his research team have developed a tool called Hoaxy to track online misinformation.
3: So, Hoaxy tracks tweets from sources that journalists have uh, flagged as uh, problematic. They publish misinformation, misleading stuff, uh, hyperpartisan, conspiracy theories, and so on. We collected a few of these lists uh, produced by third-party organizations like fact checkers. And uh, what we do is that we essentially track all the tweets that contain a link to any of these websites. We are really interested in understanding how content and stories uh, hop from an account to, to another on Twitter. Uh, people could retweet other people, they could mention them adding a the link and so on. And so Hoaxie collects all these and lets you visualize The diffusion, they spread a little bit like biological processes.
0: Hoaxy is a publicly accessible software that journalists and even everyday people like you and me could download and use. But while much of the conversation has been focused on the users, journalist Ann Kruger believes we need to talk about whether or not the platforms should be playing a bigger role
2: we have to work together with the platforms. So, you know, you'll see things like, There was a lot of harassment and hate speech spilling into Twitter when you look at what was happening in Hong Kong. And we could tell we were monitoring these Twitter accounts had zero followers and they'd just been created and they are attacking people who are just reporting on Hong Kong protests. And Twitter actually released data that they had been monitoring and they had taken down 936 accounts that they traced back to state-backed. Um, disinformation campaigns and suspended 200,000 others. I think that is proof that we need to all work together. So we need to, you know, editors need to have a hotline to Twitter, to Facebook, to Google and say, hey, we're noticing this. And editors, even between newsrooms, need to collaborate together and work together on how they monitor this information and all work together to get this stuff curbed and taken down.
0: However, the answers for Giovanni aren't so clear.
3: Should we put all the money into becoming better at spotting social bots? Should we rein in on the platforms and uh, and change policies completely? Should we increase media literacy uh, right now it's really it's not quite clear we I think we should do all everything that's sensible to do, and hopefully we should also be able to develop better metrics to understand. Uh, and measure the entity of the problem.
0: But in the meantime, if you hear about a new viral scare, think before you tweet. Think Digital Futures is made possible with the support of 2SER Radio, the university of technology sydney and is heard around australia via the community radio network think digital futures is made in sydney which sits on gadigal land of the eora nation whose sovereignty was never ceded you can subscribe to think digital futures wherever you get your podcasts i'm jake morcom
2: thanks for your company